Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Well, praise the Lord. I hope you're as excited as I am. Kind of feel like I need to run around the building two or three times just to kind of... Yeah. (laughs) By the way, I tried that not long ago. Uh, It didn't work all that well. When I was younger, it it worked well, but... I was done after about the second lap. Please open your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 27. We'll read verses 45 through 54. Matthew 27, 45 through 54. And I want to speak to you this morning on four things God did on Calvary. This is one of the oldest messages I have in my files. The Lord put this message on my heart uh, a short time after I accepted the call into the ministry. It's been growing through the years. Uh, Many of you have heard me preach this on several occasions, and I don't know, maybe you need to hear it again. Maybe I need to preach it again. Or maybe somebody here needs to hear it for the first time. But I'm pretty sure this is what the Lord wants me to preach this morning. Four things God did on Calvary. Now, the, the unique thing about these four things that God did on Calvary is this. Now, God did much more than we'll talk about today. But God did four things on Calvary that He's still doing today in the hearts and lives of individuals. And we'll point those out one by one. Matthew 27, beginning in verse 45. Matthew 27, beginning in verse 45. Now from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli... Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there when they heard that said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let us see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of their graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. Now, the first thing that we see in this text that God did then, that he's still doing now, is this. He called for the attention of the world. In fact, he demanded the attention of the world. Darkness was over the land. Notice with me in verse 45. It says, now, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, there was darkness over all the land. 
The Bible clearly says that when Jesus was on the cross, darkness was over all the land. Now, some have tried to explain this and say that it was an eclipse. But the longest eclipse ever recorded in history was about 10 minutes long. Uh, This darkness lasted for three hours. This was a natural phenomenon that no one has ever been able to explain. Some have tried to bring into the equation and you can do your own study on this, what they call Planet X, and how that could have uh, done it. But that doesn't satisfy my heart and soul. We, we know it happened. We don't know exactly how it happened. We can't put the science behind it. But we know that there was darkness over all the land for three hours. And we also know this. We know that it was not just there at Calvary and there in Jerusalem. We know that that darkness was recognized and written about in Rome and in other places of the world where they had no idea of what was going on on Calvary's mountain. The historians Thallus, Phlegon, and Africanus all talked about this darkness. Phlegon wrote these words. In the fourth year of the 202nd Olympiad, A.D. 33, there was the greatest eclipse of the sun, and that it became night in the sixth hour of the day, noon, so that stars even appeared in the heavens. There was a great earthquake in Bithynia, and many things were overturned in Nicaea. Uh, Africanus wrote, on the whole world there pressed a most fearful darkness and the rocks were rent by an earthquake and many places in Judea and other districts were thrown down. These are not biblical writers. These were secular historians that were writing about the same thing the Bible tells us about. So what was happening? Why was darkness over the whole land? Somebody said the sun blushed in the presence of its creator and refused to shine. I can believe that. Someone else said the sun of righteousness was dying on the cross and the sun of nature refused to look upon it. Yeah, I can take that. I, I think the best thing I read was this. Darkness was the only thing appropriate for what was taking place that day. I don't know all that the darkness meant, but I am convinced of this one thing, that God was using this darkness to demand the attention of the world at that moment. He was demanding their attention. He was calling for the attention of mankind that something amazing, awesome, awful was going on on Calvary's cross. Uh, Can you imagine being in the streets of Jerusalem? Can you imagine people looking around, what's going on? All of a sudden there's darkness. And it's not just for a moment. It's not partial darkness. It is a dark, eerie, foreboding darkness that you could sense in the air. 
And they were experiencing it. What's going on? What's going on? And little by little, no doubt the news spread through the streets. The one who calls himself the Son of God. The one who says he's the Savior of the world. uh, The one named Jesus is being crucified out on Calvary's cross. That's what's going on. Now friends, if you have any doubt about the fact that God was using this darkness to get the attention of the world, then all you have to do is read verse 54. Verse 54 says, So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. You see, friends, crucifixions were common. The things that were happening around this crucifixion were not common. They crucified people all the time, but they'd never seen anything like this. I'm convinced that God used the darkness of that moment to call for the attention of men to what was going on when His Son was on the cross. And I believe God's still doing that today. I believe God and His mercy from time to time, it will not happen all the time, it'll happen every now and then. And I'm not saying it will keep happening in a person's life, but every now and then through the mercy of God, God will cast darkness over a person's life and everything that holds their attention, everything that they're focused on, God will cast darkness over it, and out of that darkness, God will demand that we look His way. He'll demand that we pay Him attention just for a moment. Now what we do with that is up to us, but God will demand it. Has God been getting your attention right lately? If He has, I encourage you to give Him your undivided attention. Because can God get your attention, you need to take your attention off everything else. Because when God gets your attention, He's got a plan, He's got a path, He's up to something. And to yield to it is one of the most beautiful things that will ever happen in a person's life. Years ago, I was pastoring uh, over in Alabama. And we were doing a street ministry, and one night, I ran into a young man, and I started talking to him, and we were just having this amazing conversation. And he told me God had been speaking to him. God had been talking to him. Uh, God had been uh, getting his attention right lately. And I thought, man, that's wonderful. That's that's exciting. Tell me about it. And we talked for a while. And then I said, well, where do you go to church? He said, I don't go to church. I said, when were you saved? He said, I've never been saved. I said, you've never been saved. You've never been baptized. You've never joined the church. You've never gone to church. He said, no. And I said, and yet God's speaking to you? He said, oh yeah, I know God's speaking to me. And I said, well, maybe God's speaking to you right now. Maybe God put you in front of a preacher out here on the street to tell you, that you need to go all the way with your God. Maybe God's trying to get your attention and say, come on, come on, I'm ready for you and you need to give your life to me. And so he said, well, I'm ready. I mean, it was not hard. I shared with him the whole plan of salvation. We prayed that night uh, right there on the streets and he prayed to receive Christ and he was gloriously saved. He wept and hugged my neck and told me how thankful he was for me being there. And then I said to him, young man, go home and tell your mom and dad what you've done. And he said, no, pastor, I can't do that. I can't do that. 
I said, sure you can. He said, no, if I do that, and these are the very words verbatim. He said, if I do that, my mom and dad will kill me. I said, no, son, they're not going to kill you. I said, that's a devil's lie. I said, go home and tell your mom and dad. He said, no, you don't understand. My mom and dad told me that if I ever became a Christian, they would physically kill me. I said, you're joking me. He said, no, they told me they would kill me. And then he looked at me and he said, so pastor, I'm willing to tell my mom and dad because I know what happened to me is real, but I want you to go with me. Now, friends, I often act like I'm brave when I'm not brave, but there was no acting at that moment. I believed what he said, and there was fear and trembling with me. We drove to his house. We prayed all the way. We asked for angels of protection. We asked for God to bless us. We walked into his house. And we sat down with his mom and dad, and she knew who I was. She had seen me before, and she looked at me, and she said, What are you doing in my house? I said, I've come to tell you something. She said, what have you come to tell me? I put my arm around her son. I said, tonight your son repented of his sins and trusted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Your son has become a Christian. And that woman looked at me. She didn't look at him. She looked at me. And she said, I'd much rather you had walked into my home this night and told me my son was dead than dad told me he had become a Christian. Now, if you've got about an hour sometime, I'll tell you the whole story. But that night went on for hours, and there was some spiritual warfare going on in that home. I don't know how he pulled it off, except that God was with him. And by the way, friends, God will be with you when you're not sure He will be with you. But he showed up at church the next Sunday and he walked down the aisle and made a profession of faith. The next Sunday we baptized him and he started serving the Lord. And about three months later, his mother walked through that door, walked down the aisle, came to the altar and gave her heart to Jesus. And if that were not enough, when I came to Walkerla County to preach, she followed us over here. She's attended this very church. Here's a woman who hated Christianity and hated everything about God and wanted her own son rather dead than a Christian. Oh, friends, if God's got your attention, don't you let the devil lie to you. Don't you let the devil lie to you. God's got a pathway and He's got a plan. God's still getting the attention of the people of this world and drawing their attention to Christ. The second thing we find in this text is he gave an invitation of righteousness. The Bible tells us that the veil in the temple was rent. Verse 51 says, Behold, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. You see, in the temple there was a holy place, and then beyond the holy place there was a, a, a screen, a curtain, a veil... And it separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. And that was the most holy place on planet earth. That was the place of God's abode among men. That was the one place where His Spirit dwelt. And the Bible tells us that the high priest would go in once a year 
into that holy place and make atonement for the people. It was the only hope for mankind up to that point. But when Jesus died on the cross, when the perfect Lamb of God shed His perfect blood, sinless blood for us, God Himself rent that veil from top to bottom. God opened His arms as it were to the whole world, saying no more just one man once a year, but whosoever will, come, come and be holy, come and be righteous, come and know Me. Oh, friends, it is an amazing thing. God not only got the attention of the world, but He gave this great invitation to come and be holy, to come and be righteous. When Jesus died out on Calvary's cross and the blood was shed, that was the sacrifice for our sins. When God tore that veil in the temple, that was the invitation to come and to receive that blood covering that would make you whole, make you holy, make you right with God. Years ago, and I mean many years ago, I was very young. I hadn't even received the call into the ministry yet. And, uh, but I was a Christian, but I have to tell you, I was very idealistic. And it happens to young Christians sometimes. They, they don't really understand the reality of God and His Word and how God works. And I had some beliefs and convictions that didn't line up with God's Word. I was rather judgmental, if you please. But I went one night, my wife and I went to a service... And there was a band up on stage. And I loved the music. It was good. We worshipped. And then one by one, the people in this band started sharing their testimonies. And I noticed in that band, there was a woman. And I want to tell you, she was just absolutely gorgeous. I, I, she was like one of the most beautiful women I'd ever laid eyes on in my life. And I was struggling. And, and I really... Didn't know God was about to teach me something, but I was struggling with my own flesh because I was drawn to this woman. Her beauty, the spirit that seemed to surround her, every word that came out of her mouth just mesmerized me. And I'm thinking, this may be one of the greatest Christians I've ever seen in my life. Just beautiful. I tried to take my eyes off of her, but I couldn't. And the Lord just had me riveted to her. And then they gave her the mic. She said, I was lost in sin. And somebody shared Christ with me. And she said, and it saved my life. I got saved and it saved my life. And she said, I literally mean it saved my life. And then she said, because when I got saved, I was a prostitute. She said, I'd been making my living for several years as a prostitute, prostituting my body. And somebody shared with me Christ, and I got saved. And I want to tell you, I was sitting there and I would say this, I was saying in my heart, I wasn't saying out loud, this can't be, this can't be, this can't be. And the Spirit of the Lord said, yes, this can be. Because I have extended the invitation for all to come and be holy, to come and be righteous, to come and trust the Lord. 
Oh, friends, I want to tell you, and I encourage you as a church, if we want to take this church where it needs to go and where God wants to take it, we need to lose any sense of being Pharisees or Sadducees and and the thought that we're better than somebody else. I want to tell you, apart from Jesus, we're no better than anybody else that walks this planet. He got the attention of men by casting darkness. He rent the veil in the temple Extending an invitation to come and be holy, to come and be righteous. And then the next thing we notice is that he shook the foundations men stand on. I I think this was just a little bit of encouragement myself. The earth quaked. Look at verse 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split. Wow. I'm telling you, there's an earthquake. There's a lot of stuff happening right here around this crucifixion, isn't there? Darkness over the land for three hours. The veil in the temple is being rent. And now the earth is shaking and quaking under their feet. What in the world is going on? The sun refuses to shine. Oh, there's a new holy of holies, which is the cross. And Jesus was now the high priest. You see, and I'm backing up a little bit, but no more one high priest going into the Holy of Holies. Jesus was the high priest. The cross became the Holy of Holies. And His blood was the sacrifice. And now, and now the ground is shaking. And now there's an earthquake. What in the world is going on? Friends, I believe God was just giving them a little nudge, a little testimony that says this world is a shaky, unstable place to live. And, and I believe God's still doing that today. I, I'm telling you, there are people who have gotten completely away from the kind of stuff I'm sharing with you right now. But I believe God will shake things up in your life to the point that you know it is unstable and unsure. God will shake things up to the point that you know that you need to trade an unstable life for a stable, eternal relationship with a holy God. And that's a good thing, isn't it? You see, what God wants you to do is God wants you to trade in a natural world that can't be depended upon for a spiritual world that will never let you down. Wow. Have you noticed? That's a ridiculous question, but I'll ask it anyway. Have you noticed that the world is turbulent, violent, evil, unstable, full of sickness, disease, war, tragedy. And I don't mean to be a pessimist from this pulpit today, but friends, it's not going to get better. It's only going to get worse. But I stand before you this morning to tell you there is a place of safety. There's an arm you can lean on. There's a rock you can stand on. There's a hiding place where the enemy cannot get to you. There's a place of joy and peace, full of grace and mercy. I'm just asking you, friends, doesn't it make sense that if God really loves you and you're standing on the wrong foundation, that He would keep shaking that foundation until your eyes are opened? Oh, if God really loved me, why would He let this happen to me? Friends, that's the reason God's letting it happen to you, because He loves you. 
He loves you. He wants you to understand this world is falling apart. And there's only one ark of safety. And that's Christ himself. Wow. Hey, I was pastoring up in Georgia. And uh, for 18 months, I went to the prison every Sunday afternoon for 18 months. And got to know those prisoners real well. And some of you work in prison ministry. You know what a blessing that can be. And there was one particular guy, man, he was just glowing with the love of Christ. Uh, one of the sweetest, most gentle, most godly men I'd ever been around. Knew the word. If I got up and started reading scripture, like I shared with you guys, he would just start quoting it with me. He stayed in the Bible. He, I mean, it was amazing. And I said to him, on one occasion, I walked up to him and I said, Man, I said, I am so sorry that you are in this place you're such a great man of God. You're so awesome. I just hate it that you're here. And he stopped me. He said, no, pastor. No. He said, this prison I'm in is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. He said, I thank God every day for putting me here. He said, it was this problem, this difficulty, this adversity, my wayward life, that brought this on me. But it was here that I met the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation. And this is what he said. He said, I wake up every morning and thank God for this prison I'm in. Now friends, you listen to me. You may not like the earthquake you're going through right now. But if it gets you from where you are to where God is, thank God for the earthquake. Thank God for the earthquake. So God gets our attention today, doesn't He? He still gives us invitations to come and be holy and be righteous, doesn't He? And I want to tell you, God still shakes the foundation that men stand on. And I believe with all my heart, if you're going in the wrong direction and God loves you, He's going to shake things up. <laughs> One passage of Scripture says, the way of the transgressor is hard. God doesn't want that to be easy for you. He wants you to turn to Him. Well, One more. He demonstrated the power of the cross. Well, I love this. Graves were opened and men were raised. Look at verse 52. Uh, and the graves were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after His resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Now, friends, this is one of the strangest statements you'll find anywhere in the Bible. And we have a lot of unanswered questions. And you can ask me all the questions you want to after the service. And I'll just say, I don't know. But it's in the Word of God. And we're going to have to wait till we get to heaven to get all the answers here. But let me tell you what I do know. I know Jesus, the Son of God, closed His eyes in death. And when He did, many opened their eyes in life. Now, God was saying something there, wasn't He, folks? That's a demonstration, isn't it? You see, His death, their life. Jesus walked into death, and many of them walked out of death. God wanted us to know how powerful the cross and the blood was. Now, that would have been enough had they just walked out, but the Bible, did you notice the Bible says they walked out and they walked into Jerusalem? 
So here you are. You're sitting around the dinner table. You're talking about all the crazy stuff that's happened today. Man, we had three hours of darkness right in the middle of the day. What's that all about? And did you hear that the veil in the temple that protects the Holy of Holies, that has been ripped open wide. And man, the earthquake, what was that all about? And then all of a sudden you look up and there's great grandmama. You buried her five years ago. And there she is. There's great grandpa. And and you buried him. I don't know. What do you say? Just in time for supper? Come and sit down with us? No! No, you don't do that. You don't do that. Listen, you didn't have to be very smart to connect all the dots to figure out what was going on. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was dying on Calvary. Darkness over all the land. Word is spreading through the city like wildfire. The Holy of Holies has been opened up and exposed. And then a violent earthquake hits the entire city of Jerusalem. And now you're sitting at the dinner table talking to Grandpa that you buried five years ago. Somebody needs to figure out what's going on. Am I telling the truth? Listen, I'm enjoying my preaching right now. But if two or three people we buried four or five years ago came walking through the door, I think I'd stop preaching. Yes? Something's going on! What in the world's going on? I'll tell you what's going on. God was giving a demonstration of the power of the cross and the power of the blood of the Lamb. That's what God was doing. When I was in basic training in Fort Polk, Louisiana, as a young soldier, early on in our training, they took us out to an outdoor stadium for a firepower demonstration. And I got to tell you, it was amazing. I was blown away. Uh, the mortars were firing. They put us in the stands and we were looking downrange. The mortars were, were firing and the howitzers were blasting and the tanks come in with guns blazing and the attack helicopters are spraying every inch of the ground with bullets and the jets are flying over and bombs are falling and even though it was thousands of yards downrange, we could feel the heat of it all in the stands. And I'll tell you to this day, when I hear somebody talk about shock and awe, I think about that day I sat in those stands. Well, friends, let me tell you, when Jesus died on the cross, God put on a firepower demonstration. And when the bodies of those saints got up and walked out of their tombs alive and were seen by many in Jerusalem, I believe there was a little shock and awe involved in that, don't you? You know, I'm going to tell you something. This is amazing to me. It it is amazing how much stuff they had to ignore in Jerusalem to keep from embracing Christ as Messiah. And I'll tell you something else. It is amazing all the things that people have to ignore today in order to stay in unbelief. When a God who loves us so much has called for our attention repeatedly. When He has given us invitation after invitation to come and be holy and be righteous through the blood of the Lamb. A God 
who will not comfort us in our rebellion and shakes the foundations we stand on when we're going in a wrong, the wrong direction. And a God who has demonstrated over and over again His mighty, awesome power. Now here's what will happen in our lives. God will seek to get our attention. God will do all of that. And i got to tell you, it, these are pretty amazing things, aren't they? And did you know this? Did you know every time a man, woman, boy, and girl gets saved and turns to Jesus, that's a demonstration of the power of the cross? God's doing that today. And you, child of God, listen to me. Every child of God here today, I want to tell you something. You were as good as dead. You didn't know it. Some of you may have, but most of you didn't. You didn't know it, but you were as good as dead. And God got your attention. And then your eyes were opened to see where you were and how undone you were. And then through faith and repentance, you made your way out of your death, defeat and destruction. You made your way to the cross. And you found Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And the blood of the cross cleansed and made you whole. And now you're living with hope and life and joy and encouragement. You see, you, child of God, your life is a demonstration of the power of the cross. Amen. And so I, I want to ask you today, if you're here and you've never really put your faith in Christ, what more does God have to do? He'll get your attention. He'll speak to you, not constantly, but sometime, and not continuously, but He does speak. God will speak to you. God will give you an invitation to come and be holy, to come and be righteous. And I know some people don't like this, but, but I'm for one, I don't believe that salvation leaves you to live in your sin. I believe salvation invites you to come and be holy, to come and be righteous, to come and be changed, to come and be made a new creature. That's what the Scripture teaches us. And God will give you that invitation. And God will shake things up in your world to remind you that you need Him. And if you look around, you'll see more than enough evidence in the lives of people who have turned to Christ to know that God will do the same for you. The devil will tell you he won't, but he will. Now, God will do all that for you, but in the end, you're the one who has to make the decision. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.